Chapter Eleven of Hands of Iceland by Victor Hugo, translated by Abby Langdon Alger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Chapter Eleven. If man could still retain his warmth of soul when experience has taught him, if he could inherit the legacies of time without bending beneath the weight, he would never attack those exalted virtues whose first lesson is ever self-sacrifice. Madame de Stael, Germany. Well, what is it? You, Paul, what brings you here? Your Excellency forgets that you yourself summoned me. Did I? said the general. Oh, I wanted you to hand me that portfolio. Paul handed the governor the portfolio, which he could have reached himself by stretching out his arm. His Excellency mechanically replaced it without opening it. Then he turned over some papers in an absent-minded way. Paul, I was going to ask you, what time is it? Six o'clock in the morning, replied the general's servant, who was facing the clock. I was going to tell you, Paul, what is the news today at the palace? The general went on shuffling his papers, writing a few words on each with a preoccupied air. Nothing, Your Excellency, except that we are still expecting my noble master, about whom I see the general is anxious. The general rose from his big writing-table and looked at Powell somewhat angrily. Your eyes are very poor, Powell. I, anxious about Ordner, indeed. I know the reason for his absence. I do not expect him yet. General Levin de Knud was so jealous of his authority that he would have considered it compromised had a subaltern be able to guess his secret thoughts and learn that Ordner had acted without his orders. Powell, he added, you may go. The servant left the room. Really, exclaimed the general when he was left alone, Ordner uses and abuses his privileges. A blade too often bent will break. To make me spend the night in sleepless impatience. To expose General Levin to the sarcasms of a chancellor's wife and the conjectures of a servant. And all this that an aged enemy may have those first greetings which are due to an old friend. Ordener, Ordener, whims are destructive of liberty. Let him come. Only let him come now. Deuce take me if I don't receive him as gunpowder does fire. I'll blow him up. To expose the governor of Thorntime to a servant's conjectures and the she-chancellor's sarcasms. Oh, let him come. The general went on making marginal notes on his papers without reading them, so all-absorbing was his ill-temper. General, my noble father, cried a familiar voice, and Ordener clasped in his arms the old man, who did not even try to repress a cry of joy. Ah, oh, Ordener, my good Ordener, zounds, how glad I am! He collected his thoughts in the middle of his phrase. <clears throat> I am glad, Baron, that you have learned to control your feelings. You seem pleased to see me again? It was probably to mortify your flesh that you deprived yourself of that pleasure for a whole day and night? Father, you have often told me that an unfortunate enemy should be put before a fortunate friend. I come from Munkholm. Of course, said the general, when the enemy's misfortune is imminent. But Schumacher's future looks more threatening than ever. Noble general, there is an odious plot on foot against that unlucky man. Man born his friends would ruin him. A man born his foe must serve him. 
the general whose face had gradually cleared interrupted ordener very good my dear ordener but what are you talking about schumacker is under my protection what men what plots ordener could scarcely have replied plainly to this question he had but very vague gleams of light very uncertain suspicions as to the position of the man for whom he was about to expose his life many will think that he acted foolishly but young hearts do what they think right by instinct and not from calculation and besides in this world where prudence is so barren and wisdom so caustic who denies that generosity is folly all is relative on earth where all is limited and virtue would be the greatest madness if there were no god behind man ordener was at the age to believe and to be believed he risked his life trustingly even the general accepted reasons which would not have borne calm discussion what plots what men good father in a few days i shall have solved the mystery then you shall know all that i know i must start off again to-night what cried the old man can you spare me but a few hours where are you going why are you going my dear son you have sometimes allowed me my noble father to perform a praiseworthy act in secret yes my brave boy but you are going without knowing why and you know what an important affair requires your presence here my father has given me a month to consider the matter and i shall devote that time to the interests of another a good deed is often fruitful in good advice besides we will see about it on my return how anxiously asked the general don't you like this match they say that ulrika dahlefeld is very beautiful tell me have you seen her i believe i have said ordener yes i believe that she is handsome well rejoined the governor well said ordener she will never be my wife these cold decisive words startled the general as if he had received a violent blow he recalled the suspicions of the haughty countess ordener said he shaking his head i ought to be wise for i have sinned while well, i am nothing but an old fool ordener the prisoner has a daughter oh cried the young man general i wanted to speak to you of her i ask your protection father for that helpless and oppressed young girl indeed said the governor gravely your request is urgent ordener recovered himself and why should it not be urgent for a poor captive whose life and what is far more precious her honour is in danger life honour why i still govern here and i know nothing of all these horrors explain yourself noble father the lives of the prisoner and his defenceless daughter are threatened by an infernal plot what you say is serious what proofs have you the oldest son of a powerful family is even now at munkholm he is there to seduce countess ethel he told me so himself the general started back good god poor forlorn creature ordener ordener ethel and schumacher are under my protection who is this wretch what is the name of the family ordener approached the general and wrung his hand it is the Dahlefeld family. Dahlefeld, said the governor. Yes, it is all clear. Lieutenant Frederick is at Munkholm now. My noble Ordner, would they marry you to such a brood? I understand your aversion, Ordner. The old man, folding his arms, thought for some moments, then clasped Ordner in his embrace. Ordner, you may go. 
Your friends shall not lack protection. I will guard them. Yes, go. You are perfectly right. That infernal Countess d'Alefeld is here. Did you know it? The noble lady, Countess d'Alefeld, said the usher, opening the door. At that name, Ordener mechanically withdrew to the back of the room, and the Countess, entering without seeing him, exclaimed, General, your pupil is deceiving you. He never went to Munkholm. Indeed, said the General. Good gracious, no. My son Frederick, who has just left the palace, was on duty yesterday in the dungeon, and he saw no one. Really, noble lady, repeated the General. So, added the Countess with a triumphant smile, you need not wait for your ordiner any longer, General. The Governor was cold and calm. I am no longer expecting him, Countess, it is true. General, said the Countess, turning, I thought we were alone. Who is this? The Countess looked searchingly at Ordener, who bowed. Really, she continued, I never saw him but once. Still, if it were not for that dress, I should say... General, is this the Viceroy's son? Himself, noble lady, said Ordener with another bow. The Countess smiled. In that case... Permit a lady who will soon be more closely allied to you to ask where you were yesterday, Count. Count? I do not think that I am so unfortunate as to have lost my noble father yet, my lady countess. Certainly not. That was not my meaning. It is better to become a count by taking a wife than by losing a father. One is no better than the other, noble lady. The countess, although slightly confused, made up her mind to laugh heartily. <laughs> Come, the stories that I have heard are true. Your manners are somewhat boorish. But you will grow more used to accepting gifts from fair hands when Ulrika Dahlefeld has put the chain of the Order of the Elephant about your neck. A chain, indeed, said Ordener. <laughs> you will see, General Levin, resumed the Countess, whose laugh was somewhat forced, that your intractable pupil will not consent to receive his colonel's brevet from a lady's hand either. You are right, Countess, replied Ordener. A man who wears a sword ought not to owe his epaulettes to a petticoat. The great lady's face darkened. Ho, ho! Whence comes the baron? Is it really true that your highness was not at Munkholm yesterday? Noble lady, I do not always satisfy all questions. But, General, you and I will meet again. Then, pressing the old man's hand and bowing to the countess, he quitted the room, leaving the lady, amazed at the extent of her own ignorance, alone with the governor, who was furious at the amount of his knowledge. End of chapter 11